Hello, Nichols. My name is Jessica Lynn Verde. I am one half of your hosts for You Don't Know Nick. And Nick is not available to record this week, so I thought it might be interesting instead of having an episode this week where I just talk to myself uh, if I went back in time and edited one of the episodes of The Doc Talk that Nick and I did together. The Doc Talk is a companion show to Heartbeats, which is an improvised medical drama that I directed and created and performed on Twitch with Ripley Improv. Nick and I performed together on that show, and Nick was a guest on Doc Talk with me a couple times. This is the first time he's a guest with me. We recorded this back in February. And we would talk about heartbeats, but my goal with having a guest on the Doc Talk was to talk about all sorts of things, what made them tick, what they thought about improv. And my hope was to dig deeper and get philosophical, which Nick is always one to do. Uh, I do have to warn you that means some of the quality of audio is not great. For some reason, I have a penchant for pounding on my desk, which seems to create this light gong effect. I tried to get rid of it as much as possible. Also, Nick has some uh, connectivity issues at the top, so that kind of sucks. But again, this is just to tie you over until we're back at it next week. We really love doing this podcast with you all. And as always, if you have anything to teach us about, you can email me at jessicaverdebusiness at gmail.com. See you next week. Uh, Let me, okay, we're going to just, we're going to, we're going to dive deep immediately. Do you ever turn it off? Do you ever just go, oh, I'm so tired of just bringing 100% charisma and you're like, you know what? I can actually rest now. <laughs> well, I'm only bringing charisma from waist up. Waist, waist down right now is... is... I'm going to finish that sentence because his internet went out. I, if you can hear me, this is great. Is it like, oh, damn it, Nick. Uh, the sh- a shark when it falls half asleep and still able to... Okay, uh, there we go. There we go. So I was going to say, is it like a shark when they are, they can fall half asleep, but still swim, but like half of their brain sleeps. So like your Oh, sure. Yes. Yes. Like your bottom half is asleep right now. My bottom half is definitely asleep. Great. Okay. Uh, I was hoping to get a really vulnerable answer out of you, but it didn't happen. Um, You didn't ask a vulnerable question. I did. I said, when do you turn it off? Oh, oh. Uh, I thought you were just being facetious, like not really, well, but yes, uh, I am. I'm also like doing both. Uh, also, say also hi to Terry. Oh, hi Terry. She's she's happy about the beard. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Came back. You didn't like me clean shaven, Terry. Oh God. <laughs> That's a weird way to take that. <laughs> That's like when someone's like, "Oh God, your hair looks great." Like, do you not look good the other times you saw me? Some people don't like me clean shaven. They, they, uh, um, they, Maybe I don't know. Maybe it intimidates them. The clean shavenness? Hmm. I don't know. It's possible. Let's I see guess maybe she, do, maybe she doesn't like you like that. We'll find out from Terry. We got, no, she said, well, that's her response to you. Being oh, clean. that's the extra, the extra ellipses, um, really says it all. Yes. Yes. I did look, I, I do look a lot younger without the beard. Uh, Nick, what's, what's, your, what's your deal? What's my deal? You know, I'm just I'm just trying to, you know, make my way in the world today, you know, um, takes everything I got. I just realized that reference. Not everybody knows that reference. 
Um, is that possible? I was talking to someone the other day, and he uh, is in his early 30s, and he had never seen an episode of Cheers. And never heard the song? Uh, he probably is. I don't know if I didn't quiz him on the song, but never seen an episode of Cheers. To be fair, I hadn't either until the pandemic. What? I, I'm sure it ha like like I watched I Dream of Genie or like Welcome Back Cotter because that was on Nick at Night and stuff. I think I just like Cheers passed me by. I think the only one I had seen was the poker one, that like incredible double like triple dupe with the guy with like the sleight of hand guy and coach. Do you know what I'm talking about? Oh goodness gracious! Oh, I'm sorry. What happens on your end when that happens? On my end, you just disappear. You, you froze at a way that made it look like you were listening, at like so. I was really like still telling you a story. And I could travel around my house until I find a spot that do, that works. I doesn't. Let's put it this way: it doesn't bother me. The internet. We're all doing the best we can. If you would want to do that, you're welcome to. Let's see how bad it gets. It just started happening last night, which is very troubling. I was teaching a class, and then it started happening. I am hoping it's because of the rain and then it'll all go away so that um, because otherwise it's going to affect it's going to affect my heartbeats participation, uh, which is just not acceptable. No, it's not good. Not acceptable. Although that's actually a good point. There was one night where you had bad Internet connection and you still managed to pull it out of your ass. Yeah, well, because that's usually what I'm doing every night is pulling it out of my ass. So. <laughs> I felt right at home. Yeah, yeah, you were in your comfort zone. Uh, so that's let, so. Why improv? Why do you like improv? Like, I'm sure you started out as an actor, and then went, "Oh, improv is so great!" Like, how did that journey happen for you? You know, I mean, well, I mean, I remember watching uh, "Whose Line Is It Anyway," the old school OG British version. Oh, wow! Um, and. And I just really enjoyed the show. I thought, oh, this is a lot of fun. Um, and then I went to college and there was an improv group and I thought, oh, well, I could, uh, that's that's fun. Let me try that thing. Uh, you know, you I, whose line and, and think I, this is something I can do? I know not, I mean, I don't know. Well, like, you just enjoyed it. I just enjoyed it. Um, I think there was a time in my life where I wanted to be on Saturday Night Live. In high school, that's that was something. But then when I went to college, I became a serious actor. And I was like, you know, forget Saturday Night Live. Um, which I don't know why I turned that way. But I, I did end up being in a sketch troupe. So, um, but no, I found there, there's an improv group. And I thought, well, let me try out for this thing. And all I knew is that you're supposed to say yes. That's about it, you know. And uh, um, <laughs> I'll tell this whole story. This is a funny story. Yeah, no, so this, I mean, your, this is your hour. You get to do with it what you want. Great. Um, can I use uh, bad words? Yes. One bad, okay, I need one bad word to tell this story. It's, you You do know who I am. I just didn't, well, I know, but I don't know. Oh, yeah, know. there's uh, no holds barred. Okay, great, great, great. Um, I'll see what other words I can. Yeah, okay, I'm honestly excited. <laughs> so I was uh, I was auditioning for uh, the, the campus... Uh, improv group called Comedus Interruptus. Oh, cute. Yeah, yeah, very funny. Um, and uh, so I went and auditioned or whatever, and I got put in a scene with this with this other actor. And um, and all I knew is you're supposed to say, supposed to say yes. And we were playing a game called Superheroes. You know, where where you're a superhero. When someone would call on, like, oh, it's looks, it's it's Bangy Wangy Man, and you got to yes. yes, yes, Bangy Wangy Man. What, what is Bangy Wangy Man's superpower? 
well, it's uh, oh no, uh, no. <laughs> you said it. I didn't say it. What if what if they just cut bangs really well? Yeah, with, with where does the wang come in? <laughs> it just it just rhymed. Maybe he rhymes well too. Got it. Got it. He rhymes everything's with with bang. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. Um, I was vacuum man. Okay, I was vacuum man, and uh, yeah. and. And in order to solve the problem, my scene partner who, you know, improv makes you do dumb things, okay? Improv, especially when you're new to improv, it makes you say dumb things because you're trying to be funny. And, and she she also, English wasn't her first language. And so, so she said, she said, suck the shit from my asshole. No. <laughs> and, yes. So I grabbed my contraption and I attached it to her her ass as I turned on the vacuum and sucked this shit from her asshole. Did she mean that? Is that what she meant? Oh no, she meant it. Yes, she okay, meant it. Okay, okay. She meant it. I didn't make it into the troupe. Um, <laughs> they they said to me, and actually, I mean, not to name drop or anything, but uh, Jason Reitman was in the troupe. And he said, he goes, hey, man, come back again next year and audition again. Sorry about what happened out there. And I was like, fuck you. I'm not going to come back and audition. Of you course, guys want every great story starts that way. Yeah. And then the next year came around and Reitman wasn't there anymore. He graduated. But um, someone else I knew was like, hey, you should come audition again. I said, fine, fine. So I did it. And it turned out to be a magical experience. There's a group of us who all kind of came in together. We're still close friends to this day. We started a, a, a comedy troupe after college. Uh, we met Dan O'Connor there. For those who don't know Dan O'Connor, he's uh, the artistic director at Impro Theater. Um, so, so anyways, that was the start of my improv sort of journey. Was he teaching there? Was Dan teaching there, or like teaching? Like, you did he come into like? We hired him. We found him. Um, my, we like sought out different, you know, local improv gurus. Like we got, we brought in someone from Groundlings. We brought in Dan O'Connor from theater sports. We brought in, I don't know who else, but just to teach us and just to learn. And then by some strange twist of fates, he actually did teach a couple semesters at USC, but he wasn't my teacher. I think that's what I love is like, cause I, I would say if I were to describe you like great actor, but also great improviser. And those two, the style of improv we do are hand in hand, but it, I do think it's interesting when I came to improv late in the game of like my career. And now it's so integral. It just, it almost doesn't seem congruent to like the person that is on the outside looking in, wouldn't you say? Mm. Yeah. And I, it's like, almost like I, if I hadn't found this type of improv, I don't know that I would have done it. Um, so I kind of love how you got to there too. Like, oh, and so how did how did impro then happen for you? So so then we all we we graduated. Right? I mean, I, and I was the first. I was the oldest of the group. Who like it was a revolving group every year. People graduate, new people come in. But this group we had several of us came in together. Um, and I was a year older than than them, so I graduated before them. But anyways, once we all graduated. Um, everybody was trying to like, oh, what's the next, what's the next step? And a lot of them, it was when Second City had just come to LA and they were like, oh, let, a lot of them wanted to do Second City. And I was like, well, it's sketch comedy. I don't know. 
I, we've we've done we've done this. I know how to. Do, we've been doing short form sketch comedy. It just, and I and I would never considered myself the funny man. Um, the people I was with are hilarious. Um, they're all on television right now. They're very funny people. And I always play the guy. you hate them all now, right? Because they're all super yes, successful. I, I hate them. I hate them deeply. deeply. Yeah, no. but but you're friends with them. But like, there's a lot of jealousy. I got it. Yes, there's a lot. A lot of yes, and they they know it. Um, <laughs> no, but they. I would play the straight man a lot to their funny men, and I would keep the scene together and keep the story alive and all that stuff. And I was like, you know, so I just felt like Second City wasn't for me. And then I went to go see Dan O'Connor's group do Shakespeare improvised and there was 16 people in the cast and it was just a you know it just spoke to both sides of myself the actor side and the improviser and I was like oh man so I called up Dan I was like hey I want to do that and he goes so he said uh he goes oh call Joe uh, Joe McGinley was was running the school at the time and so I called her up she popped me in a class my first class was uh for those who know Lisa Fredrickson uh, uh. A character with her and then, uh, and then one day she couldn't make class, so they brought in a substitute teacher, and the substitute teacher was Mike McShane, who who used to be on Whose Line Is It Anyway that I watched, and I was like, what is happening? So I said, okay, well, I guess I'll take another class. I guess it seems like a good place to be. And then I got into Joe's uh, long, long-form narrative class where we're telling stories, and I just fell in love with it. And I was like, oh, my skill set actually fits here. Keeping the story alive, understanding what the story needs, how to keep the characters together. And then I realized you don't have to be quick-witted. You can find humor in other ways. Um, and so I just kept doing it. And I kept going, you know, when you're when you're starting off actor, you only have a limited amount of money of what to spend on classes. So I wasn't taking scene study. I wasn't really doing anything else. And I was like, oh, am I doing the right thing? Shouldn't I be taking a scene study class? But I was like, I'm just enjoying it way too much. And I think the skills translate, you know, I think what I'm learning here, how to tell these long stories feeds into my acting. And so I thought, well, I'll just keep doing it. Yeah. So, I, you know, I did it for like five years and then I ran its course and I left. And and then it was just perfect timing that they ended up forming a new theater company and, and Joe recommended me and brought me in. Oh, I love that. So, yeah, I think it, I think good groups usually equate to like chemistry, like just right time right place, um, people who really like to work with each other. And then you you can kind of tell that secret sauce when you're watching them perform too, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Then you definitely are like an integral impro dude. And I think that's really cool. Um, what would you say your biggest improv strength is? I think my biggest improv strength is keeping the story alive you know, is trying to, is trying to keep it grounded. Um, and, uh, and playing characters that have, uh, an inner and outer life, you know, that, that, uh, that have, you know, emo a lot of emotion and point of view. Um, yeah, I think that's my biggest strength. So um, how do you think AU fits into that? Do you feel pressure to keep a story going alive or... Uh, are you What's, accomplishing things that you wanted to do with him? Totally. Well, yeah. I mean, I like to do things, and I don't know if you, if you know, the last episode, I think it was, or, or last couple episodes, where I find moments where I can get in a sort of backstory monologue or something, 
where I can explain like, like when I, I really wanted to make sure everybody knew like why, when I disappeared, like what was that? So I forced, I didn't force them, but I found a moment and I gave an explanation for it. I don't know if it was good or not, but, you know, try to take care of that or, you know, to not just let things, not to not just let the audience have to put all the pieces of the puzzle together, but try to give them, you know, what the character's thinking, that thing you saw, why did you see it? That thing you didn't see, what was it that you didn't see? Um, so those types of things. But this format's a little bit different in that it's, you know, it's more episodic. The storyline isn't always as linear. You know, you're in one episode and not in another. So there's only moments, like there's moments that I do to take care of my character's journey. But I don't, I can't, you know, there's certain things I can't do on the bigger story because it is, it's more episodic and, you know, it's just the way it is. Yeah, it, it is interesting because by giving the background of where you were for that week and I, I remember saying, hey, guys, it's not a big deal that he was gone for a week. It like doctors rotate out. And I didn't because I didn't want a whole plot point to be where the where's you and like you couldn't like show up at the end of the episode. You know what I mean? Uh, like if we're going to play mm -hmm. a game where we don't know where you are the whole time, then you show up at the end. It was my thought process. So, mm -hmm. it, but it was satisfying to see that while you were gone, A, it wasn't, we didn't like belabor the issue, but that your character was going through something and it, he had a, a, a story that was going on um, before. So I did think that was very nice. Um, and we do have the added challenge of like having so many awesome actors that it like, we know that like, the sweet spot is like six of us. Right. But but we have so many awesome stories going on. And it's, it's a challenge for sure to get everyone's awesome stories in. Yeah. And I, why, and I think it's each actor's responsibility to take care of their own character. You know, other, other, you know, I mean, other people might take care of it for you. I think you, you gave me so many gifts in, the, in this last episode. I think I told you, you made my job easy. Cause I was just like, Oh, this crazy I'm to follow. Me. I mean, Jessica. I'm going to take the compliment, but thank you. <laughs> I don't know. It's odd to me. Okay, wait. That's uh, well, that's that's a question I have because uh, my uh, my love language is, is not like words of affirmation. I can't handle it. Like like great. Thank you. I'm glad you think I'm great. Stop talking to me. But what would you say is your love language and what's a use? Like when someone's like like you know as a friend like you did this really well or hey here's a gift for doing all. That. What do you think you respond well to? Whoa, I don't know. That's a good question. I don't know if I've given that a lot of thought. Um, I'm sure your wife like, has to know yours personally. You would think. You would think. Shut uh, up. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, what is my, you know, strangely, I think, I don't know. I, I really don't know. I don't even know how to define the, the phrase love language, but like what makes me feel good. I'd almost say um, uh, it's not even words. It's just, it's more. Um, well, there's um, physical touch. There's acts of service. There's gifts, words of affirmation. And then there's a fifth one, I believe. Oh, oh, quality time. I mean, I would, I'd, I mean, we're, it would be touch, quality time. And then. Because it's different what, in the what, way you give and different in the way you receive, usually, too. Yes. So I would probably put touch as the first one. Um, 
And I think, you know, I think words of affirmation are nice. I don't necessarily need them a ton, but I definitely miss them if they're not there. I think, uh, not to overgeneralize, but I think it is, it's very nice for men to hear, oh, we're doing a good job. Yes. Awesome. Like to kind of be like, keep going that direction. I, I especially being raised around a lot of men, it seemed like just a little bit of a assertion that they're doing the right thing always seemed to go a long way. Yeah. I don't need like effusive praise. I don't need, uh, in fact, sometimes that, that can feel very, uh, yeah, can make you feel uncomfortable or, or, or feel disingenuous. Like at a certain point, it's like, shut the fuck up. Like I, now <laughs> I don't trust you. <laughs> <laughs> but it's well, also, okay, not so that, that segues interestingly, it was really nice to get that compliment from you. And, uh, but I also find it very easy to improvise with you, but you also taught me and I'm not going to ask you what kind of student I was. Cause I don't want to know, but um at what's your teaching style what do you like teaching do you do you find how do you feel you make an impact on people that are learning improv growing in improv and what do you think you, like if someone were to, like someone goes okay Stephen Kieran taught me the best space work of my life and how to be you know or Joe taught me second circle what do people walk away with the Nick Masu special well when I'm at the top of my game which I'm not always um it's 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 about process. Uh, it's about facilitating a space for for uh, for learning and and introspection. Um, I think a lot of times, you know, people give you know can give notes just very sort of oh here's what I think about this moment. Where I like to more more go, what were you thinking in that moment? Because I tr you know what they're you definitely thinking about it makes a difference. Like, are you just trying to get to how they improvise or? Well, it's a little bit of both, right? Trying to trying to get to how they improvise, but also like not assuming I understand that the moment. Um, though there are and there are times when I when I won't do that, where I'll just be like, "Here's what I'm seeing," but I'll qualify it with like, "Here's what I'm seeing. Take it or leave it." Right. You know, it may I may be wrong, but this is this is how it landed on me. Um, but usually, I would like to, but there's not always enough time. I would like to engage their thinking brain of like, oh, I mean, why this is why I made that choice. And then I can go, oh, well, if you made the choice because of that, here's why that may or may not have worked. Here's, here's a, that now I see what you did, you know, what you did there, you sat on an impulse, right? So I like to get that from them. And I think it may, I think it empowers them more than them just hearing notes and trying to make sense of it. Because a lot of times then they go, then they, they, they get into a place of trying to please and get things right. And that's a real tricky spot to be in. So you can you can tell that out of a student where they're just like looking at you the whole time to see if you're like, do you like the job I'm doing as opposed to being super present? And because it seems like more than anything. And this is how I equated my journey with learning improv. Um, I More than learning skills and technique, I needed how things to like strip away the fear and like the, the impediments I put in my way. So I was like training away um, like skill, bad skills or nerves or like bad judgment. So because um, what you really want to get to, I think is the core of where you're not thinking you're engaged on your partner, you're engaged in the scene so much so that you're not going, well, if I say this now, the next scene will just, they, these people will hate me if I say this. <laughs> And that was just so you know, that was a lot of my narrative uh, when I was going in improv. Like, basically, I just didn't want anyone to hate me for doing the improv that I did. 
<laughs> and that yeah. is not that's not a fun place to play from because you're no. second guessing yourself all the time. Uh, I mean, I, like what I would what I would like to preach, and and but preaching this doesn't always work. Um, you got I have to continue to look to ways for ways to, you know, get get somebody to to realize it on their own, but is is non-judgment you know to get to a mental space a very uh, mindful non-judgmental space um where you um uh, you are basically allowing the improv you're not creating mm. you're allowing it and Stephen kieran i mean you know i've just been so blessed to be able to to to, to work with him i mean every, everybody i've ever worked with or i'm blessed to have worked with but there's a concept that he really that me that I really love from him and 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 I, it's really part of part of my ethos, which is you know we don't do improv, we allow it, we create mm. space for it, we are there for it. It arises, the story arises in front of us, and it's our job to to be present for it. Um, and it's just a different sort of mindset, and it kind of you go oh, I, you, it takes away a little bit of the responsibility for you to have to come up with everything. And you start to realize, oh no, it's everything's already coming up. I just have to acknowledge it and recognize it and put the pieces together that I see in front of me. Like um, be the vessel for it. Uh, yes. It wasn't until impro and, and understanding literally what the word narrative meant. I feel like there's just some things I just didn't understand until like I, I was actually building the pieces of it and like story and narrative. What I loved learning was that we all have a story in like story brains because we watch TV, we read books. We, we already like understand that it's just kind of honing those skills, but what is it about storytelling that you want to do? Why? Like, it's kind of, kind of like, why are you an actor? What, why do you want to tell a story? What kind of stories do you want to tell? Like, or do you just want to be famous? Yeah. Fame. That's all I've been. That's the thing that's been keeping me going. You've been chasing it. I've just been chasing it. Uh, it's uh, right around the corner, Jess. Any minute now, I'm going to be a household name. Ayub you know. is is going to be a smash hit. You know, I I hope so. I love this character. I love this show. I hope I I I hope so. I'll I'll ride I'll ride or die on this. Okay, great. Uh, I literally we have you recorded saying that, so I will <laughs> use that against you in a court of law. <laughs> um, but no, I you know I this is going to sound cheesy. I don't really say this a lot, but I really do like, I don't, I consider myself a storyteller more than I consider myself an actor. Like if I were to define, you know, myself, I would, def I, the label would be storyteller. And that's whether I'm acting, I'm improvising, I'm writing, I'm directing I any facet of telling or being a part of stories. Um, so that's why I would say, Oh, well, I'm a storyteller um, because I don't want to be, limited to any one of those areas anyways so i don't know exactly what it is about stories i mean i, I could think about it um but they they live they live within me and i think they're very powerful i think it's one of the best ways to affect people um and i think there's a i think there's a selfish side i just feel really good in them i really enjoy them um i enjoy being able to play in a world that is not in my everyday life I, I enjoy being um, given permission to play in a world that I maybe wouldn't have the permission to in, in real life. Totally. 
And I love it when I love the energy exchange between actors, between audience and 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 stage. Um, I love that energy exchange. I think I think it's very powerful. I know that when I'm watching and experiencing stories, it's transformative. And you know, maybe maybe I just don't want to ever assume that like I I have the power to transform other people, but just the the hope that I could or the hope that something that we do affects somebody in a in a positive way um is always inspiring to know that you're doing something that has has value or um or a particular type of value so yeah and you know stories it's the oldest we've been telling stories since before we were able to talk i mean what this kind is how of party storyteller are you like like we were where everyone's at the bar or everyone's gathered for Labor Day. What kind of story? How are you? How do you engage a crowd? Well, I'm going to need complete attentions and and <laughs> silence, which you're not always going to get in the in the crowd. But because but I need I need people to pay attention. If I have interjections, I'm screwed. I can't I can't navigate. So um, I got some classic stories that I like to tell. Okay, wait, wait, wait. Now we have, to have that when they come around. I don't know. I, yeah, well, I, I got to think like, what are the, what are the stories? Oh, <laughs> it's funny because you know them in the moment, and then someone's like, "Tell us the funniest thing that ever happened to you." I, I can't remember that. You know, it's it's not until I'm inspired by something someone said that I think of the funniest thing I've ever said. Yeah, well, you know what, you know what it is. I guess this is something too, though, in relate, and it's not exactly what you're asking is. But I, I've tried to live my life to have like as many, I, I love experiencing things. And there's, I think that's related to story. Like I don't always judge what I'm experiencing. Sometimes I'm experiencing something horrible, um, but I still find value in it. So I have in my life gotten myself into a lot of stupid situations um, just, just to experience like, hey, I'm here. I don't know how I ended up here. Somehow. But I'm here, and oh, what's happening? Um, and uh, so that makes for a lot of crazy, ridiculous, stupid stories. So it kind of like, so so I'm I'm living in, in a story in these crazy experiences, and then some of them I get to tell later, especially when my friends pimp me out at a at a you know at a bar and be like, hey, remember remember when we did yada yada? Oh yeah, I tell that story, you know. Like they know you're going to be the one that delivers it the best. They might be famous. But I don't know. My, my friends are pretty good at telling stories. Uh, it, I will tell you, just that you know, in in this in my in my crowd that I hang out with, some of the people I hang out with are so good at telling stories. They make even me kind of go, "I'll just let them tell the stories." <laughs> <laughs> you guys, you guys, you guys. Uh, there really is though <laughs> nothing like that friendship energy exchange though too, like watching one of your friends on fire telling a great story. There, I, I think I actually stopped being friends with somebody because I had heard them tell the same story three times to the same people. And, and it just was, it was too hard to pretend like it was funny at a certain point. Because uh, just like, you just, I couldn't hear it one more time. I, obviously I'm being hyperbolic. Um, so I think it's interesting that you just kind of are along for the ride. Obviously you're having like emotions. This is actually very, I would say probably Meisner-esque to like, I am here, right? Like I'm allowing this uh, Im improv to, I don't, I was learning Meisner for like two minutes and I had like an improv awakening and a Meisner awakening at the same time when I was doing the mirroring, ex uh, like ex whatever. 
was like, oh my God, I'm listening. They're listening. It was just all of a sudden happened. But we, you and I don't, do you remember when I like was drunken, drunkenly talking to you about the ego? <laughs> we were it. Actually, I do. I have, I do have this memory. Yes. Okay. I was very yeah. drunk that night, but I was like just beginning to understand like what ego was. And you're like, you have like a lot, a lot of brain power on that stuff. So do you, cause I, cause I'm with you when you're saying there's a selfish aspect and then there is like a cultural impact, want to tell stories aspect. It's, I think both things are, are fair. So like how, how balanced do you feel like you are? Like I have got all these awesome stories, but I'm grounded or like, how long did it take you to get on that journey? I don't know hundred percent what I'm asking, but I'm interested regardless. Um, I think it, well, I think it comes and goes in waves and I think it needs to be, I think this is why they say, you know, meditation is a practice. It's, you know, it's something that you, you kind of keep doing because, um, you know, uh, it's very easy to, um, to, to find yourself in a moment of excitement or whatever and forget to be grounded and, and connected. Um, so I don't know, for me, I don't know. I really don't. Well, I mean, I really don't know the origins of my pursuit of, a more spiritual existence, but it does go back to as far back as potentially as high school. So I don't know, but I had a, um, I don't know if this is answering your question, right? This is a long way. No, I had a, uh, I had a moment of Satori in, in college and I don't know if you know what Satori is, but it's like, a, it's a Buddhist term for awakening. Um, and, and, uh, and, you know, um, ever since then, I, somewhere around all this, I just started pursuing at a very kind of young age, not the, the idea of non-judgment um, to live in, in a, and what, and what now I come to understand is a, it's mindfulness. It's what people talk about mindfulness and how to really, how to really be in a present moment state of being without judgment. Um, so I started at a very young age thinking about that and working at it. It's a skill. It takes time. It's a practice. You got to keep, you got to keep working at it. And even though it's something that I've focused on for, you know, over 20 years, and I don't have a rigorous meditation practice or anything like that. So that would probably help me if I wanted to maintain that state of mind. But I can, I know when I'm in it and I'm out of it. Um, but sometimes I can not be aware and be forgetful. So to remind myself to get into it is helpful. Like I was doing an audition this morning and you know, the mo I can sense the moments when I'm out of it and mm -hmm. where I'm very much self-conscious. I'm thinking about myself. I'm working the lines. And you're worried about I how it sounds versus what you're do actually just being present. Mm -hmm. So then, you know, you reconnect, you reground. You're like, okay, well, this is this means I don't know what's happening in this part of the script. Let's focus my attention and energy outside of myself to to somebody else or something else. Um. So I don't know where the original question was, but I do find it's an ebb, it's an ebb and flow. You got to constantly remind yourself and it's a skill that you can, that you can build over time. And, but in order to build it, you have to work at it. It takes work. Yeah. I don't think there was an original question, but I do find that when something kind of like aha -za in you, it's usually born out of like feeling the exact opposite of it. So were you, when you had your Satori, were you like in a particularly, particularly 
tumultuous time or hard time or like actively seeking spirituality? Like, or did you believe something else and that shifted? So, you know, most of the time you're right. Most of the time people's enlightenment, well, no, I just mean like most of the time people's enlightenment, not Comes at the rock bottom or, yeah. Yes, comes from crisis. Most, most of the time it comes from crisis. Sometimes it comes through seeking it out. Um, and mine did not come through crisis. So, um, I was for me it was it's it's going to actually sound kind of weird uh, but I was at, I was in a voice intensive I was doing doing a very actory thing I went to Canada and I did this voice intensive and like for 5 weeks I'm exploring my voice and oh you know God. 8 hours a day lots of breathing lots of stretching lots of Shakespeare and at the end they did this exercise where you're standing on stage and you have like two people on either side of you who are who are watching your body for tension and you're given this phrase, how dare you? Ooh. Okay. So you so first you work it and you figure out like who you're speaking this this phrase to. Some hopefully somebody who you have some emotional impact with. And and who dared goal, someone who dared with you, essentially. Yeah, somebody who who dared. <laughs> um, and and they want you to communicate it with as much emotion and uh, force tension as possible. They take a nice, big, nice breath capacity, and they say, "Okay, the person standing right in front of you." You say, "How dare you?" You know, and then they're like, "Okay," and they're they're watching your shoulders. You know, you've been going through this for weeks anyway, so you know about how to sense tension. But they're also keeping an eye on you, and they're like, "Okay, now the person is, you know, five feet away. How dare you?" And they're like, "Okay, now they're in the front row. How dare you?" And they keep going, and so you got to keep hitting this and hitting this, and they keep pushing the person further and further away. So you need a bigger breath each time. You need more energy. You need more more expansion. But you can't do it with any tension, you know. I don't know. I must have been in some zone. I got outside the theater, across the bay, the next mountain range. You know, keep going, keep going. And it's just like big breath. How dare you know? And it was connected the whole time. And eventually, they're like, okay, take a moment and go collect yourself. And now you can imagine doing that kind of breath. You're you start to, you can hyperventilate. You know? Yeah, so totally. So very like lots of tingles, lots of blood rush, lots of that and take a moment. But I felt in that moment, every like part of my being was alive and my ego was gone, you know? Um, so I was in that sort of space, that awareness space of just connectivity. Um, they say you have a diaphragm, not only here, but there's also a diaphragm at the base of your pelvis. There's a diaphragm at the bottom of your feet. Um, and diaphragm really just kind of means, means flat muscle. It doesn't necessarily mean how you pull in oxygen, whereas this one is really pulling into your lungs. But, but I could feel the breath coming into my pelvis, coming into my feet. Like that's how deep the breath was coming in. It was coming in, filling up my whole body. And it was just a moment of, it's a moment of awareness where you're not an ego. You're in this sort of like universal connection. I don't know if you believe in that, but that's, you know, in this sort of mindfulness place, that's what we're talking about here. This sort of universal consciousness, this universal connection, a loss of self. Um, and, and I was like, wow, I can't not, 
I can't not um, see that. I can't not see that moment, you know? So that was a big moment for me. And, and a lot of the teachers there like had such great reading material. So it really sent me on a path and they, their structure for how they taught, they had these rules where like you couldn't use certain words to describe perform, you know, to, 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 to like critique. You always had to speak in present tense. Oh my God. Um, this is cool. It's really cool. No, so you were they like, kind of like unlocked you, right? Like you, like whether you realized it or not, because it sounds like a that that exercise exhausts your ego even, right? Because you're dealing with something so emotionally present. So you've exhausted that to the point where nothing else could be potentially left. Yeah, and I, and I don't know if that is the intent of the exercise. I think the intent of the exercise is really just how can you have a very full projected voice with with little tension, but it resulted in an experience for me that because totally. of the, yeah. Um, my biggest spiritual awakening happened incrementally. Um, and I'm still so much on the journey, but what I really appreciate is for myself is that I really don't need to know. I found, I find more comfort in assuming that like, I'm not going to go to a heaven than anything else like that. Like, cause I was raised so heavily Catholic that I just went, this is fucking hot bullshit. I needed to just not, not believe that. Um, and then I remember like getting super depressed and then thinking nothing meant anything. And in a way it doesn't, nothing means anything, but then too many synchronicities and coincidences were lining up in my life where I realized that the, actually everything is connected, even if it doesn't matter. So I do believe in the universe. I'm I'm personally working right right now on like positively affirming things that I want for my life and not letting my brain tell the universe that there are ne the negative parts because the brain does a lot of work of, on that stuff too. Mm -hmm, so I'm, mm -hmm. on, I'm on that journey, um, and probably meditation would help as well. I would say, wouldn't you say, uh, improv is kind of a surefire way to be super present and like. Yeah connected that, means, that the skills are the, the same skills you know to be present uh to not judge to allow to be observant to listen um yeah so it's the same skill set and then you just happen to also be activating a part of your brain that is trying to tell a story what's your sign what's your sign <laughs> uh taurus oh so am i oh yeah yeah what, what, we're, uh, we're like the best Taurus is the best. We're, we're the best. Everyone thinks that they're the best, but actually we're the best. Um, I was born on what Mother's day? day. When's your birthday? Oh, so wait, are you like a May 10th or a May 7th? Yeah, the year I was born, it was May 11th. So it's like the latest, maybe not the latest, but yeah, 11. A, which is uh, the enlightenment number, baby. Yeah, it is. It is. 11, 11, 11, right? Is that the thing? I don't know. I yeah, 11, 11 um, like a moment of enlightenment, sure. I'm uh, May 3rd. Oh, very cool. We're the best. We're such a good, we're Taurus, like you want a Taurus in your life for sure. Oh, um, cool. um, we're almost done. And I know you have a life to get to and the prettiest baby on the planet. I'm doing my best not to ask you questions as Dr. Love because I don't want to ruin anything that we could potentially improvise. Although I will say I loved this past week. Ah, uh, it was fan. It was it was good. Okay, do you like medical dramas in general? I like all television, but so but yes, I do like medical. You can't dramas. like all television. 
I can. It's that's it's impossible. Awful. It's no, it's not. I literally, this, I love story. I like, I, I don't know. Maybe I got put. I have three older brothers, so maybe I started watching TV earlier than most people. But I will watch even the worst thing you could man. I watch it. I watch bad, bad movies all the time. But just because I happen to start watching it, and I'm like, oh, I want to see what is hap- what happens here. You kind of have to. You have to follow through. You have to kind of see yeah. what's going on. So Katu asks. What's Ayub's favorite TV show? And so Katu is a very, very talented musician, but specifically jazz. And, and he, so he's an artist based in Chicago doing his own thing over there. So what, what's Ayub's favorite TV show? Well, I mean, we're talking of all time. Um, I mean. It's Baywatch, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> my, my two favorites. Uh, and I don't know if this is just my two favorite sitcoms or if I just happen to love sitcoms, but Ayub, not you. Oh, Ayub's. Oh, <laughs> can you see it? What's Ayub? I, I didn't know. I didn't. I just assumed. What would Ayub's favorite TV show be? Oh man. Oh. Oh, I'm feeling that. Uh, Watch is probably has to be like one of his favorite or like Alf for some reason. Alf, you're you're really going old school here. <laughs> well, because Ayub's old. Is, is is he? Is he old? Isn't he? Aren't you? <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, Am I? Oh God. Oh God. Do you? I okay. Mean, well, answer that question. Then I have another question for you. Um, well, I, you know, the great British, British Bake Off, that's his favorite show. It's a surprising show. He loves it's calming, it, right? It's just like it's calming. It makes him feel good. You know why? Because as much as he is who he is, he loves British, uh, the British format because the people on that show, they're not trying to win. They just want to bake. And they're so supportive. If that was an American show, there'd be some like huge prize money. People would be backstabbing each other, just trying to get on TV for their right, right. You know, to 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 pimp out their bakery or and something. These people are just like, look at the crumpets that I've made. Yeah, like mm, crumbly and sweet, nice, nice. Yeah, he just—he's not what you think. You not right? at all. I'm surprised no. by that. He, but he doesn't tell anybody this. It's a guilty pleasure. Right. Um, what do you think? What do you think Love's favorite TV show is? Oh, it's got to be some some trash, right? <laughs> you think so? Oh, she probably likes the Kardashians, and I hate that. I hate <laughs> how she likes the Kardashians. <laughs> that makes me so why, mad because it's probably true. But it's probably why Ayub and, and, and Love get along. They watch bad uh, reality television. Well, I don't think they're at the point in the relationship where television has entered the, the uh, equation, right? Where it's like, oh, let's watch TV because we're bored. I'm sure it hasn't happened. Well, uh, but we don't know. This is going to be two episodes from the love episode to when we see each other, when when they when we see them see each other again. Okay, so you have no idea what's going to happen. Um, I do because I'm the director of the show. What do you think? How do you think? What do you see the resolution? What like what do you think season one's gonna take us? What how are we gonna launch into season two? What do you think? Oh, I don't know. I mean, I guess that's coming around the corner, isn't it? We mm-hmm. are we have three, three more episodes. And I'm only in the last one. If I'm yeah, because you've been really problematic. So I wanted to make sure that um you took a 
I mean, don't don't think I didn't notice you took me out of two in a row, but that's fine. Yeah, because uh, I can't. I don't give you opportunities to cheat on me some more. <laughs> Uh, by the way, DEJ uh, Axe is uh, Diana, who was in our episode this week. Oh, awesome. This, yeah. She was so great. It was so much fun. It was so much fun going to her for advice and then having her in the surgery. I loved that. Well, it was such a lovely hit, too, to bring her into surgery. And it was so smart of Diana to label, like, just say it explicitly that Sally was a foster. And I think that did a really wonderful job in mirroring... Uh, Claire, aka Mary's story, that yeah, no one's really there to take care of her. Someone will be there, right? Um, so, okay, what do you think? What do you think we're gonna see in AU? Next, I don't know because I, I know what I'm. What I I know what I've got in my head, but I don't know. You know, I don't know. I'm always who knows what's gonna happen on the thing. But I feel like I, mean, I don't know if I should say this or not. But you can. Like it, it does. It won't matter. It's improv. I feel like a. I feel like Abe's feeling good. I feel like we're in a nice little pocket, you know. Yeah, um, we didn't know this until after the Halloween episode, um, but we have to also give the audience some resolution and some trust with like positive things happening too. You cannot completely barrage an audience over and over again with like this is tough, this sucks, this tough, you know, or they're not getting along. You can't argue, right? Like you taught me that can't start from pop. I think one of the exercises you had me do with Brian Jones was literally stay as positive as long as possible. Mm -hmm. And yeah. this show does not really, I mean, it lends itself to that and we benefit if we can stay positive, but when we have those moments of resolution or understanding or whatever, everyone kind of take a collective breath, I think. Yeah. I think you got to give that. Yeah. You got to give that to your audience. Right, you can't just keep throwing stuff at him, you know. And I think that the Halloween show was great. I mean, it was great for me as an actor because I got to. I mean, I care, I do care a lot about my character's arc, and so I got a chance to go to have those moments of resolve. It was important. Start I didn't even know we needed it, and that's what. Was so it's it, it's it's like the instinct versus like forcing something, right? I think our instinct is really good at. Um, telling like uh, probably getting us to that point in order to tell the story. First of all, okay, I'm going to let you go because it's time to go. But did I did I tell you the story of how you ended up being the love interest in the show? No, I don't think so. You were not cast as the love interest. Come on. Did you know that? That wasn't your first choice? I didn't know you were interested in the show. Do you know who my first choice was? <laughs> Paul Vanasik was the first actor that I was like, he has to be in this show. He had like all the, what I thought were McDreamy category things. No, and in you come, literally take like killing all of those guys with heat. Just like you wouldn't accept, you, know, you like you just, tr you trounced everybody. And then I showed my mom the uh, trailer and I was like, okay, based off this trailer, which if you remember the trailer, I had all three men hit on me or show interest in me in one different way. And I said, mom, who does love end up with? She goes, oh, I hate you. <laughs> she was like, and you know, because she's not, she she probably would have been a great actor had she like someone cared about her. But she understands just, you know, she just watches TV and like, she, so she is, thanks to her, you are the lead. I, well, I got to tell you this, and in this space sound, I don't mean this in any derogatory way, but moms love me my whole life. 
How would that be derogatory? Now I'm wondering why it would be derogatory. I just want to be like, oh my, like, like there's some sort of like, ooh, I, like, my, I, just like, there's nothing like the love is just like a pure whatever, a pure love. Or whatever. I'm like, no, I, I, I think, well, I think, I think there was more to it. Than that. it wouldn't have been the right word. Uh, that wasn't the right word. Uh, what I was it? I don't know what the right word is. But, but anyway, you mom, you, uh, you charm parents. No, my moms particularly. Okay. Moms Why? Are, what do you think it is about you? I don't know. Sometimes the moms love me more than the daughters do. So it's it's a strange thing. Well, it's, you won't know that unless the daughters tell you, right? Maybe you're just uh, like assuming. You, you, you can tell. No, you can tell. Oh, you can tell. Um, hold on. Okay. Uh, how was Nick not immediately? Okay, hold on. It wasn't until Maddie was like, you know who should we should ask? And I was like, who? She's, Nick Masu was like, fuck yeah. It was perfect. So uh, I, I just am grateful you said yes. It was um, it was like perfect chemistry. I'm excited to like do this with you forever. Sorry, you don't have a choice. It's fine. Okay, great. Cool. <laughs> you're, not, you're, not, you're, not, you're not twisting my arm. Okay, great. Um, Nick. Anything you want to tell me in, in a words of affirmation? Okay, bye. <laughs> Everybody, thank you so much for hanging out. No, I don't I want it. Told you, I never. Well, it, was, it wasn't actually that. It wasn't. I wasn't going to tell you nice things, but I. I can. I was going to no, say. No, no. What were you going? You never told me what. What I think is going to happen in the end. Oh yeah, tell. I thought you were avoiding the question, so I. I no, I, I actually don't know, but I, I. All I'm going to say is I think Claire is going to really throw a wrench into things. That's all I think. <sighs> I think she's. A, I think she's a troublemaker. You think she, oh, that's an interest. Yeah, we don't really have like bad to the bone right now or like acting out yet. I'm so excited. There's so much, there's so much great story to tell here and we deserve the big bucks. Okay, bye yeah. fellow Taurus. Bye fellow Taurus. Thank you again for everything. You are here. Sorry, you're gonna take it. You are- No, I don't want it. Thanks so much for listening to You Don't Know Nick podcast. Do us a favor and give a review wherever you like podcasts or give it a subscribe. And if you want to find out more ways to support our show, go to youdon'tknownick.com. was a JLV production.